All right. Well, I am super excited for my special guest this afternoon. His name is Stephen Robles. He is the co-host of the Apple Insider podcast. Stephen was nice enough to have me on his podcast a couple of weeks ago. And so I thought it was only fair to return the favor. Stephen, welcome. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on Apple Insider and thanks for having me on your show. Now, did I say the last name right? Because we had this conversation. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, Robles, 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 Robles. Robles. It's all, it's all fine. I'll go by it all. Okay, good. I, I can relate to that. My last name is Aiton, and no one in my life has ever said it right, so we're good. Right. So, <laughs> so specifically, my first question for you is: There was this Apple event last week, and I know you've had a couple episodes about it. We talked about it on this podcast with my co-host Jess. Generally speaking, my first question for you is knowing what we knew that there wasn't going to be an iPhone, did the event meet your expectations? Yeah, I think no iPhone. This was a good event. You know, I'm an iPad Pro user, and so I was kind of hoping to maybe see a chip bump in that as well. And again, you know, we can talk about the iPad Air and that weirdness of how that has the 14 now while there's only a 12Z in the Pro. So I felt like that was a little bit of a omission that I would have loved to see Apple say something about it. But otherwise, I thought it was great. I upgraded. Actually, I got my Apple Watch Series 6. UPS delivered it 15 minutes before we jumped on this call. <laughs> so I have the box here in front of me awaiting my opening it uh, after we were, we're done. Oh, no, we should have rescheduled for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or no. we do a live unboxing. But no, I got the titanium version, you know, and it, the ship date slipped a little bit, but then it came a little early. So yeah, I got it today. Which is funny because I am supposed to have a stainless steel one coming and it's was supposed to be here and it's not. So maybe you need to send yours over. That'd be great. No, Right. Yeah, I'll do that. You I, know what? The one feature I was, you know, was hoping for, it was rumored and I liked that family setup for Apple Watch. I know a lot of pundits are kind of poo-pooing that as a weird feature, but having younger kids and being one that doesn't necessarily want to get them an iPhone sooner rather than later. Like I want to wait as long as possible for that. The idea of an Apple watch set up for them that's connected to my iPhone is actually a pretty appealing feature. And so I was glad they did that. Yeah. I think I was listening to the ATP guys and Marco Arment was having the same thought about getting one for his eight year old until, and I thought well, that's a great idea until one of the co-hosts pointed out that eight year olds don't always respect technology the way that we would like them too and that the apple watch i've had a lot of iphones and i've only had one apple watch and in my experience the iphones are actually quite a bit more durable than the watch because you don't i mean you might drop them but my wrist hits so many things all day long i just don't know yeah. i don't know how i'd feel about sticking one on my eight or ten year old yeah and that's also one of the weird thing is the cheaper ones are also the one of they're made of materials that are not as durable and like for my wife I got her an aluminum one first years ago and she cracked the screen a day into having it. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to go all stainless steel. So it has the sapphire. And, and honestly, it's a big difference. I don't think either of us have cracked our screen since going that way, but I also don't want to get a titanium Apple watch for my eight year old. So I don't right. know how to do that. Yeah. And my co-host Jess has broken three series one, Apple Watch. <laughs> She's, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even. So she finally upgraded to a Series 3 a week before Apple introduced new ones. That's a whole different saga. So <laughs> obviously, we knew that there was a watch coming and people had talked that there was the likelihood there was going to be an iPad coming. And I, I'm curious, 
you mentioned that you're an iPad Pro user and that the iPad Air makes things very interesting. I really want to get to sort of the iPad as a device that we could use in a minute, but I'm trying to figure out how, like Apple, even though they don't always forecast what's happening, you can sort of sense like this is the direction something's headed by what they do. But the 2020 iPad Pro update was very confusing, especially now that you see the iPad. It either makes me feel like the iPad Pro, either they just don't care about it anymore or something amazing is going to happen with it because it's it's in an interesting position compared to the iPad Air, wouldn't you say? It is, and I am not predicting, but I assume that we'll either, with the iPhone 12 announcement, also see just a chip bump in the iPad Pro to say, oh, and also we have an A14X now in the Pro, and maybe nothing else, just that. Or we'll see January, February, an event that really updates the iPad Pro, maybe with some more standout features that you know we don't even know of yet. But surely they have to update that pretty soon. And it will, it'll be a year anyway, once we hit January, February, since the 12z came out you know about a year so i think it'll come out but that's what i'm holding out for i have the 2018 model and the the 12z and the 2020 model did not tempt me again because it's not really that much of an upgrade lidar scanner not so much didn't tempt me but whatever that next version that comes out i'll be jumping on that pretty quickly yeah in my when i reviewed the 2020 version i i literally said something to the effect of I'll give you $5 if you can tell me what LiDAR is without Googling it. <laughs> and no one took me up on it because I don't no. think that the average iPad user has any idea, you know, what it is. And I think that while I've heard a lot of reviewers who thought it was a very cool thing, I don't think that the average iPad user and the average iPad reviewer are anywhere in the same universe, right? And I think right. that's probably also true for people who have an iPad, meaning not a Pro or even an Air, the iPad Pro doesn't even exist in the same universe for them. So it's, it is very interesting. I also have a 2018 11 inch iPad Pro and I've used it on for the bulk of the last two years as at least 50%, if not more of my computing time. And I didn't see any reason to upgrade, especially after reviewing it, because again, like I don't need multiple cameras on my iPad and I don't, I don't need LiDAR, yeah. but the iPad Air, though, for a lot of the things that I think people are doing, especially now that it supports the Magic Keyboard, it is an interesting option. So I'm curious. I know that you work primarily from a laptop, when, I mean, from an iPad when it comes to editing podcasts and stuff, but is the iPad Air, is it, if you didn't have the iPad Pro, which is, I know a universe that doesn't exist because you wouldn't be <laughs> editing iPads on a, you know, editing podcasts on an iPad, but is it is it tempting is it you know it's tempting i'm curious how well the touch id works um but for me you know it's also it only comes in the one size so i've recently actually had my parents they were looking to update from an old macbook pro they had like a 2009 macbook pro and they needed a computer and i actually recommended for them the ipad pro as their really only and main computing device Uh, The biggest challenge there is you can't have multiple user accounts. And Apple, if you're listening, please, multiple users on an (laughs) iPad one day. But, you know, that I recommended the 12.9 iPad Pro, and it's working out really well for them. In the iPad Air, if it had come in a larger size, like a 12.9 inch, I might have recommended that for them. And for many people's use case, you know, if you don't know what 120 hertz refresh screen is, or can you see it, then I would say... There's not much of a reason to go pro over air right now in this moment. 
And so if you absolutely had to, for some reason, get an iPad that's semi-powerful because you wanted to edit podcasts or maybe make it kind of your mobile computing device, I would say right now, yeah, the iPad Air is very tempting. And I would you know, heavily consider that one before throwing extra change at an iPad Pro that kind of has a gener- a year-old chip almost. Yeah, two-year-old chip almost. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I exactly. mean, it just has an additional core turned on. Although that says an awful lot about the original chip more than it does the fact that it's been around for a while. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I know the difference. The A12Z is, also has just more cores than the A14 in general. But again, I, I'm assuming... I think it's pretty sure that we're going to have an A14X very, very soon. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, iPad Air, it's it's the first five nanometer chip. You know, it's very tempting. Yeah. And as soon as they uncork that thing and, and open it up for what it can actually do right now, it's just powering a, a mid-level iPad device. We haven't even seen them talk about it in the context of the iPhones. And my iPad Pro that I have with the older A12 chip is honestly... Well, it's the second fastest computer I've ever... I mean, it's faster than my MacBook <laughs> Pro for a lot of things, honestly. The mm-hmm. iMac that I have sitting on my desk right now is arguably faster. But I, that's an interesting... You said you had recommended it to your parents as a primary device. My question is, the struggle I've always had is that the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, setting aside the fact that the iPad Air has a, quote, newer processor, that's probably the best laptop replacement device you can get but in my opinion it's a terrible ipad right i in my opinion the 11 inch is a far better tablet okay so like an ipad as a tablet yeah. does that make sense <laughs> yeah and i agree and and that's something i often wonder when i upgrade my ipad pro should i get the larger screen and i think about it for about five minutes and i was like no actually the 11 inch it feels great especially as a portable device, and that's what I'm mainly using it for. You know, if you're Federico Vitici and you're using it as a desktop computer every day, sure, you get the large one. But for me, I have a MacBook Pro, I have an iMac. The 11 inch is just such a sweet spot size. And when I edit podcasts on it, I just love the portability. And I don't need a huge screen real estate uh, to edit those podcasts. It would maybe be nice sometimes, but the 11 inch just feels like a great size. So most people are not like you and I, right? Let's just be honest. And they don't have an iMac and a MacBook Pro and an iPad Pro. If you had to choose one of those devices, which which would it be for you and why? Oh, to just choose one. I know uh, that world is terrible. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, so I do a lot of website work as well. Um, You know, developing for websites, doing CSS and things like that. And on the iPad, it's not really feasible to do that kind of work. And so if I had to have exactly one device, I would 100% would have to be a MacBook Pro uh, 16-inch ideally because I can do everything I need to do. I could still edit podcasts on it. It would not be my ideal way to do it. It might take me a little longer actually, but I know I can do all the work I need to do on the Mac. And I, I personally, the kind of utilities I use and some of the product activity tools that I have, the little plugins and all that, you know, they don't have, they don't exist on the iPad. And so if I had to choose just one device, I would still want the portability, but I would hundred percent go with the MacBook. So do you, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And it's a struggle that I have because I can't figure out, I feel like 
the work I'm, I like simplicity and I feel like the workflows would be simpler if there were less things to choose from, but then I can't, I can't choose. And the reason is I use them all differently. Now mm -hmm. for a long time, it used to be that the iPhone was the device you communicated with. The MacBook pro was the device that, or iMac or whatever you have sitting on your desk was the device that you got a lot of work done with. And the iPad was the device that you consumed content, right? Because it was a bigger screen than the iPhone, but it, it didn't until I, you know, iPad OS, it didn't mm -hmm. do enough things that you could count it really as a computing device. But now I feel like that's changed and the line between my MacBook pro and my iPad pro, it gets really blurry and it would be hard for me to decide because I wouldn't trade the portability of the iPad pro and the ease of sitting on the couch and just, it's so much more flexible, right. Than any of the other devices. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, shortcuts on iPad OS and iOS is actually a big deciding factor of where I'm going to do a task. You know, there are things for Apple Insider, like the show notes, where I actually have some shortcuts that save a lot of time and make that process much easier. And I don't have that ability on Mac. Now, if I was an expert in scripting and I knew Apple script and I wanted to, you know, build applications to do the things I could, but I'm not a developer and I don't write that stuff personally. And I've learned how to use shortcuts pretty well. And so there's actually just some things that while I could do show notes on my Mac and I have text expander and I have tools that can make it go quicker, shortcuts actually makes me do certain tasks on my iPad because I, they're just easier and I can do them quicker. So it's it's weird. Like it's it's not just the device, but it's also what utilities and apps you can use on either one. So that's actually an interesting point and it kind of leads to a bigger question. And I, it makes me wonder, is the killer device a MacBook Pro that you can touch or is it an iPad that is more like Mac, that's running something that's more like Mac OS, right? And I can't figure out because I, I feel like there are definitely, so for me, the reason the iPad Pro is such a great productivity tool is because I can do less on it. I can't do some of the right. things. And so I, when I'm writing, I mean, primarily that's my job is I'm a writer. And if I'm writing on my iPad Pro, yes, I can do all of the other things, but it's actually an advantage that I stay more focused because some of those things, there are more barriers. It is harder to get lost, you know, on YouTube channels, on your iPad, if you're trying to stay focused on writing, because I'm not using 70 browser tabs at the same time, right? I'm just in Ulysses yeah. writing. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny earlier today, I was on a Zoom call and I had some notes open and I was trying to do something in a web browser. I had my email and on my iMac, I literally had you know, 12 windows open across multiple spaces. And I felt stressed just thinking about all that was open at the moment. Right. And it, in that very moment, I was like, man, I don't want this much stuff open. And in times like that, I do enjoy the iPad. I think the killer feature would be opening up iPadOS, iPadOS to the extent of Mac so I can have text expander and paste bot or a clipboard manager have these kind of utilities that run in the background and be able to do that on my iPad, but still have the simplicity of a single window view or a split screen uh, or something like that. You know, I, I feel like that would really be a killer feature, something like Hazel, uh, a file management type app that can run in the background. That's what I would love to see. And, and file management in general on the iPad is still atrocious. I mean, I'll, let's just be honest. It's not good at all. And so I would need that to really get better before I look at using it as a more primary device.
Yeah, it's not worse than the touch bar. It didn't make my list of the five worst things, <laughs> but I would agree with you that it is. And PaceBot is actually a great example. I was literally thinking this morning, because I use it all the time on my MacBook Pro and on my iMac, that it's so obnoxious that I have to have a a note in the notes app for pasting. If I know I'm going to be doing multiple things, I'll paste them all in there and then go back and grab them all. And that that's, that's pretty obnoxious that you can't do that. The, the dilemma, I guess that I have is if, if I'm working from home, I mean, I am working from home and I've been doing it for a while, so I have a pretty good system, but that's not the case for a lot of people who are working from home right now. They're trying to figure out how can I use these tools to be more productive, and if they have a choice, I mean, for a lot of people, work sent them home with a laptop. That this conversation is not all that exciting unless they're thinking about it personally. But for the people who have a choice, so if you're a you're, if you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, and you get some say in the device, I feel like it gets confusing because most people are not going to have the opportunity to try out a 12.9 inch iMac or I mean iPad Pro for three weeks. To see if it would really fit their workflow. So I, my question is, is this conversation or is this idea of using an iPad as a primary device, is it, is it a waste of most people's time or is there actually a benefit, especially considering how, I mean, if the A14 chip comes to the iPad Pro, sure, it's probably also going to end up in a MacBook, but now you have two devices, you have two devices that are faster than just about anything else you can get. It's clearly powerful enough. Is it capable enough? You know, I, this really comes down to examining the kind of work you do as a person. You know, I've heard the saying that, you know, choosing a career is really just choosing what you want to email about for six hours a day. Yeah. And that's that's really the most <laughs> majority of work. But, you know, if you are in a field that requires video, to, video editing or like heavy graphic design, I would say, you're, you know, the iPad's out. Uh, you know, that that's not something yet. Uh, that you're really going to be able to accomplish. But if you're if the nature of your work is some web apps, a lot of email, some communications and writing things, I think the iPad's a great choice. And I also think if you struggle with organization just in general, maybe you struggle with your tasks and calendar events and and you struggle finding out how to manage all that, in that case I really feel like an iPad would help with its simplicity, with like, let's choose a couple apps and let's boil down my work, my tasks, my events, and let's put it all in this one thing. It might actually help you stay organized and get work done and help you focus all at once. And so if the nature of your work allows you to use an iPad as a main device, I think it's a great conversation and something to consider. And especially if you maybe struggle with organization, I think it could help you there too. So if you, because I, I, I completely agree, if you're if the overarching sense is that for some percentage of people, that's probably more than half an actual laptop or desktop computer is going to primarily serve their needs for the widest range of work that they might have to do, then the iPad clearly becomes a secondary device. The iPad Pro is not a secondary device for anyone other than Apple tech nerds like us right because it's it's too expensive for most people to be like i just want to have this you know the highest powered ipad in the world which brings us back to that ipad air which is very interesting and what's most interesting to me is a lot of people were really excited about the redesign now i would agree that the mm -hmm. touch id and the in the in the sleep wake button, I guess. I don't, the top yeah. button, I'm not sure what they, they really call, call it. They call it a top button. I've never heard anyone call it a top <laughs> button, let me just say. Yes, but have you ever heard anybody other than um, Craig 
Federici call it? What did he call it? Squiggly wiggly mode or jiggle jiggly mode? Jiggly I never mode, heard yeah. anybody call it jiggly mode either until then. So they just it's that reality distortion field. If they say that's it, right. that's what it becomes. But anyway, <laughs> but I actually so we have a previous version iPad Air that we actually just got that our kids use for school right now. And you know, so it still has the home button with touch ID, the larger bezels. But in my opinion, as an iPad, it's actually a much better product because it is it's lighter, it's thinner mm-hmm. overall, like the the in t- terms of the entire device. And those bezels serve a really big purpose if what you're using it for is a, a, a content consumption device, right? So it, it, the iPad, the new iPad Air, looks better, but I'm not 100% convinced and. The deal breaker for me is I prefer the previous version covers, right? That just magnetically mm. attached to the edge as opposed right. to the sandwich versions that wrap all the way around. Especially I have the smart folio keyboard. I'm not 100% sure of the name of the key, but the one that has the keyboard, not the magic keyboard, but the other one. And right. if you use it as a cover and you fold it back, you're holding it and there's like keys and I find myself <laughs> tapping on yeah. the keys obnoxiously and people look at me like, <laughs> why are you doing that dad? But so I'm curious, like as an in-between secondary or third device, I'm confused by what Apple's doing. And this, this goes to their, again, there's times in their lineup of devices that are more confusing than others. And, you know, with, when it comes to Macs, aside from the arm Mac transition, that's going on, the Mac line is pretty, not easy, but it, but it's more intuitive to know like which Mac you should go for, whether it's an Air, 13-inch Pro, 16-inch Pro. Like There's use cases for all. With the iPads, we're in one of those times where it's really confusing how to recommend and who to recommend <laughs> which iPad. And, you know, the iPad Air, if you're getting it for a kid, like I bought all my kids the seventh-generation iPads, the base model the kind that you're talking about. There's just more of a case ecosystem and I think it works better for them. But yeah, if someone's not sure, you know, I would almost wait till January, February, see what pro comes out and maybe get a refurb iPad air for like a hundred bucks off from somewhere. Uh, And then maybe it'd be a more compelling deal that way. Yes. I, I, I would agree. I think it just, I don't, I like having choices, but my brain can't comp- compute all the different variables of how I might use these different things, which is why I never upgraded to the 2020 iPad Pro because I thought to myself, uh, it's it's not even actually much faster. And for the things I do, I mean, yeah, I could edit video on my iPad Air, but or, I mean, my iPad Pro, but I don't, right? LumaFusion is a legit option for editing 4K video, but I still do that on my MacBook Pro or on an iMac. Editing podcasts, I still do that on my desktop. However, interestingly enough, you don't, right? That's your primary, you prefer. So tell me about what it is about that interface on the iPad Pro that makes it a better tool for you for podcast editing. Yeah, so I've edited podcasts and everything. You know, I did GarageBand and then Logic, and I have all those applications. But when I discovered Ferrite for iPad, you know, number one, it's really an app made for podcasting. Uh, just everything from templates. So I have templates for all the different shows that I edit that has the EQs and different settings already there. I can have my intro and outro music already set in a template. It syncs my EQ settings over iCloud. You know, so if I have to get another iPad or something, it, it does all that. But honestly, the Apple Pencil specifically and the iPad Pro, I can just edit almost in real time. Like I can almost edit an episode of something 
in the amount of time it takes to listen to it. And it's just so much faster that, you know, I sent you a video and, you know, I can scroll over while it's playing and I kind of know some of my co-hosts well enough where I know where to edit and what to move where. And just doing it with a pencil is so fast. And even the double tap, you know, that's a feature that I didn't really have a use case for until I discovered I can select all tracks from like a certain point forward and move everything around. And so I'm double tapping on the pencil and moving stuff around. And I've just found it to be extremely intuitive, extremely fast. And the app specifically, uh, just Ferrite is awesome, especially for podcasting specifically. So I'm going to I'm gonna definitely have to check it out for two reasons. One, I do have it on my iPad Pro. I've just never actually used it. And the reason is I haven't been editing podcasts for that long, it, which... Yeah. When I watched the video that you sent me, I thought like he must have sped this up. And then I realized I'm listening to someone talk right. in real time. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to send you that as a caveat that, that I did not speed that video up. And, you know, I've sent that to a couple people and, and they're like, that looks crazy. But once you've done it for a while, it's just I, I can't edit on anything faster than what I can do on the iPad and with the pencil. Yeah. I couldn't even fathom editing anything faster than you were editing. <laughs> I mean, and watching you do that, it was, you know, I was a photographer for many years and watching you edit, because actually photography is a great use case. Lightroom, the Creative Cloud version of Lightroom on the iPad is exactly the same as it is on your Mac and it has all the same tools, but you get the pencil. And I can edit through photos extremely fast on my iPad, faster than I can. And, and so that was what it reminded me of when I watched you editing through that podcast. So when you sit down, do you sort of in your mind have this, not just for editing podcasts, but when, it, hey, this this is the time of day that I'm going to do this piece of work. So this is the device that I'm going to choose. Or do you ever think to yourself like, huh, what should I, should I grab my MacBook? Like, do they each have a specific use case and call for duty? Yeah, you know, I think a prime example is when I, edit the Apple Insider podcast, you know, so I do that on Thursday afternoons. That's one of the few times in my week where that is the set time of day and the set time of week where I'm doing that exact task. Many other days, it's kind of sporadic. I might be doing a website or doing this other thing. So when I, when that happens, you know, I'm editing the podcast on my iPad. And so we'll record via Skype, you know, like we're doing now. And I save those files to iCloud Drive, and then I go somewhere else. And that's the other thing about the iPad is it helps me, and I think you've said this too, to like kind of work in different places in the house. So I'll go on the sofa or I'll go in the bedroom just to get a different scenery. And I know I'm going to edit on the iPad. And, you know, I do the whole podcast. I, I get the chapter art and the chapter links, and I do all that. And once I actually have the episode edited in audio, then sometimes I do make the choice. Like, do I want to finish this up? here on my iPad? Do I actually want to write the article that's going to accompany it here? Or do I want to get my MacBook Pro out and actually do it there? And sometimes I do one or the other. It, it depends. Uh, but if I ever know I'm going to need to like go somewhere to an appointment that I might wait somewhere, I'm going to do it on my iPad because I know I could just bring it with me. I can keep writing. Bear is what I write all my show notes in and what I get the podcast ready in. And Bear is so powerful on all platforms that it almost doesn't matter. I could do it on my iPad or MacBook Pro and I have that flexibility there. Yeah, I agree. I like Bear a lot. I use Ulysses and the only reason I, when I tried out Bear, it they're similar in scope, although Bear is probably even more minimal. And, and I mean that in a good way. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's even more focused, but I just... It, Maybe there's a way for me to export my entire library from Ulysses to the other one, but there was just too, there's too much. I had too much history going on in there that I I was like I can't start over. I would in my brain I wouldn't keep them both, and so then it would just add a layer of complexity I couldn't handle. 
But what's great about, and I don't want to just sound like I'm singing Apple's praises, but the good news is for most people is you don't have to choose, right? Just like you, right. you can use Bear, you can start it on your iPad, finish it on your iMac. You can start it um, in one place and finish it in the other. Sort of um, my last question that I had that I wanted to make sure that we covered because I'm, I'm switching gears completely. So I apologize for that left turn no, there. Very good. You, and I'm asking this on behalf of my co-host, Jess, who I mentioned destroyed a lot. Of, she's an Apple Watch destroyer. Um <laughs> And Destroyer she's trying, of worlds. Yeah, yeah, she and she she is, and she she so she upgraded to the series three, so which is from the series one is an upgrade, but it's still the old form factor. It's still yeah. yeah I mean, it's not. It's a of kind upgrade. of upgrade. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, from the series one, it oh, yeah. is somewhat of an upgrade, and from a series one with a broken screen, it's it's a lot of an upgrade. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, which one did you come from? And what made you decide, what was it about the Series 6 that you thought made it worth making that leap? So I had the original Apple Watch, like the very first one. And from there, I went to the 3. And I actually bought it right as the Series 4 was being announced. And I found one secondhand that someone was selling. And it was a stainless steel model. And I got it for way cheaper than the stainless steel ones were going for. And so I went from a Series 0 to a 3. And at this point, like, I've just been holding out, you know, kind of when the five came out, I was like, oh, that's really tempting. But the always on screen, I was like, that's probably going to kill battery life. So maybe I don't want to do the five just yet. And you kind of hem and haw. And now then it gets close to the next fall. And you're like, well, let me just wait. And so now with the Series 6, it's like, well, I'm going from a three to a six. That's a massive upgrade. You know, there's so many more features. I'm going to have a ton more watch faces that I get to play around with now because the three did not. And, uh, you know, I actually got my wife, she went from a two, a series two, to a four recently. I, again, I found one uh, kind of secondhand, and that was a huge, huge upgrade for her, too. Uh, but I'm seeing all the faces that she has, and I'm like, man, <laughs> I want those faces, too. <laughs> and so um, for your co-host, you know, I've listened to your your past two episodes, which it's great hearing you guys talk about it. But man, some of those faces alone, I think might be a reason to to at least maybe go to a four. You know, even if you're not you're going all the way to a six, you know, maybe get a used four on Amazon or something because you can get good deals there. But yeah, yeah. buying a watch, I'm, I'm laughing inside only. Well, actually, I'm not even inside. I'm just laughing only because a watch is the only thing you I mean, imagine if someone said, I'm going to buy that new MacBook Pro because of the wallpapers. They have such better <laughs> wallpapers now. <laughs> I think yeah. it's time to upgrade. <laughs> my 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 only defense there is like the complications of the watch yes. is kind of like 70% of the value for me. Um, you know, my calendar, I, I'm an extremely, I love organization. Uh, I, I just, I cannot stand not being organized. And so I have, you know, very particular ways I do my calendar and my tasks and my project management. And so when it comes to the calendar, like I live and die by it. Like my calendar tells me the next thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And honestly, like that one complication on the watch, just showing me my next event is kind of an invaluable thing. Yes, you can look on your phone and unlock and check it, but just being able to glance down and see it like that's really useful. And so, yeah, having new complications and new faces to use, like it's actually a really tempting feature for me personally. (laughs) So I don't have I've never had a Series 3. I have a Series 4 and it's the only one that I've ever owned. And and I like it. So I don't have a lot of comparison. I think that because it has watch OS seven on it, 
that most of the faces are available. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but are you using just the modular? Is that the one that you which which is your favorite face on your previous version? I'm just curious what which well, one you've been using. They all look so old now. I just I just like okay. them all. But <laughs> but okay. I um I actually I love the solar face when I'm not in work mode. Uh, the, you know, with the long arc, you know, you see the sun. That's kind of like my, I'm not working right now face. But yeah, most of the time I use the modular because you can get the most complications. Uh, I use Pocket Cast to listen to all my podcasts and they have a great watch app now. So I use their complication. I have my home complication so I can access all my smart home devices and then I have my next calendar event. So most of the time I'm on the modular and I just, you know, don't really gravitate towards any of the other ones. My wife, she actually started using the Siri watch face which is something I've always just, I don't know, resisted on principle. I don't know why. I just did, <laughs> I didn't care for it. Uh, but she's actually found it useful. And so I started playing around with that on my Series 3. And it's okay. I still don't love it, but maybe I'll give it a shot on the 6. So the one, I don't know if this one is on the Series 3, because, again, I only have the context of having the Series 4. But my favorite at this point is the California watch face with the round face so you get like one two three four five complications so yes. you can have the date i i use the date the the weather but i actually use dark sky as the weather yep. weather complication and then i have a podcast and a, and so i agree with you on the calendar thing it makes a big difference but i only use that that face i don't i don't and it sounds like and this is actually kind of blowing my mind because this is the first time I've ever had this thought that in some ways you can use the watch faces the same way people could use, not really the same, but in a similar way that people use home screens on their iPhone, right? I have on one oh, page yeah. of my iPhone, this set of apps, and then this set of apps. So in, you can use, I guess I'm hearing you say something that I'm asking if this is true, that you switch between watch faces throughout the day. Yeah, I do. I, I do them. And we don't have the California face on the Series 3. And, and this is why I'm very eager to open this <laughs> Series 6 <laughs> sitting in front of me right now. But yeah, I will. It's, on the weekends, I go to the solar or maybe like the, you know, the world satellite image globe because um, I'm not thinking about work. You know, I don't really have calendar events that are, you know, um, mission critical. So I'll go to that watch face kind of when I'm off duty. And when I'm on, I have meetings and calls all day, uh, very often. And so I'll, I'll have that calendar front and center. And so I'm, I'm curious about doing that in iOS 14. I'll have to be honest everyone's, you know, tweeting their wonderful home screens with widgets now. And I <laughs> have yet to figure out how to really use those to my advantage. I've not found widgets I love yet. So maybe I'll do it on the phone too. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a widget question in just a second to wrap up, but I will say my favorite little Easter egg, it's not even an Easter egg, but that I thing that I didn't know before, but so I've always used Fantastical yes. as my calendar on my devices. However, I had never used a complication for Fantastical on my watch. Not for any reason, just, I don't, maybe I, it just didn't. However, on the Fantastical, if you don't have an appointment, it just says, enjoy your day. And I love that. I love <laughs> yes. that like you don't have anything going on. So instead of having nothing or showing you an appointment that's four days from now, it just says, right. enjoy your day. <laughs> right. Apple's stock apps do the complete opposite. You know, yeah. mail is like no mail. You know, it, right. so it says in the calendar app, I, I mean, I don't even know. The, I, I, this is just personal opinion. But yes, I use Fantastical because I find the stock calendar app on iOS and Mac just to be kind of dreary, like they have not changed in years, and I don't know what they're doing there. So yeah, instead of on the on the watch, instead of the Apple stock app saying, "You don't have any mail, you're free," it just says no one loves you. 
right? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's yeah, don't so, re- don't relax. Just wait for the next message. Just sit here right. and stare at me. Yeah. Right. So my last, I, I really do have a last question, and you brought up the widget. So, and we had a brief conversation on on Twitter about this, and you said that you haven't found any that you really like, and I would agree. And my biggest problem is I'm such a creature of habit that the motor memory for me is very hard to overcome in terms of if I add a widget to the screen, all my apps are now in different places. And the trade-off there is very difficult. However, I do like the calendar in Spark, the widget, and I really like the things widget. But, But as I have pointed out, the widgets are not interactive. So if I have things up and it shows me right now four things I need to do. I can't tap on one and complete it. If I tap on one, it just opens right. the app. Yes. So I don't, my question is, are widgets going to be a productivity thing or is it just a fancy piece of now taking aside all the things people are doing with their icons? I can't even comprehend that right now. Widgets alone. I'm, I'm wondering, is this a real productivity benefit or is it just a cool thing that people like for a V1? I'm wondering, I'm hoping this gets better. Absolutely. I mean, I'm hoping for Pocket Cast to get a widget soon. And honestly, one of the things that has prevented me from trying more widgets, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you put a widget on a screen that already has apps or folders, it shuffles everything around. You know, it's almost like you can't place it where you want initially. It just chooses where it wants to be. And then if you remove that widget, all your stuff is in a different order. And again, like I said, I'm very particular about my organization. So I have this is how my iPhone screen has been forever. But my first page is all apps, the ones I use the most. My second page is all folders. That's how I've operated for years. And the page with all folders, it has enough room for a widget. So I'll try one. But then if I remove the widget, they're all out of order. I have my folders in alphabetical order, like A to Z. And for some reason, they get out of alphabetical order if I remove the widget. And so now I don't want to try any widgets. I'm like, forget it. (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) Well, and the worst offender, in my opinion is the Google, Google has a very nice looking widget that you can stick on your home. It has a search bar. It has lens. So you could conceivably take a photo of something and search it. It has a voice search. And I have a Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G because Samsung is very good at naming things <laughs> sitting in front of me Just here. Just rolls off the tongue. I can't even believe I got it all out, to be honest with you. But it's sitting here and, and it has this Google search bar. And if you tap on it, you can type in it. And it will then, depending on what you type in, either call up an app. It's basically, right, the the pull-down search on your iOS devices built in. But if I tap on the Google widget on iOS, it just opens the Google app. It doesn't actually do it. It literally does the same thing as if I tapped on the Google icon. It's just bigger. And and I, I feel like there has to be more. There has to be a better, There's please, Apple, there has to be more to it than this, because otherwise I'm... Not other than the fact that you can now make your screen look different. Have we actually gained any productivity here? And that's what, you know, I tried the things widget and it looks beautiful. And this is not things fault. It's just, there's not a functionality for this yet in iOS, but the fact that you can't check something off right in the widget without, you know, opening the app, that's a huge deal breaker for me. And so I, I took the widget off. So I think once we actually get functionality within the widgets, maybe they'll be a little more useful. But right now, it's really just what is glanceable information that you want on the screen. And honestly, it's rare that I want information just in my face all the time. You know, like I don't want an Apple News widget. I don't want that kind of stuff. So, so I have one weather widget. That's like my, the one widget I have on my yeah. screen, on my folder screen. 
And which and you said final question, but let me ask you. I'm a longtime Dark Sky user, and now Apple has bought them, and so who knows how long the standalone Dark Sky app will come and will exist. But the weather app on iOS 14, if you do the, like the long horizontal one at least, it'll actually show you the precipitation in the next hour, which is very nice. I don't know if you've noticed that, but do you think you'll keep Dark Sky around for as long as they keep it available, or are you just going to let the, the stock weather one tell you when it's going to rain? Yeah, well, as an app, I think the Dark Sky app is a lot, lot better. Like, there's not even oh, yeah. really a comparison. But you're right, as a widget, the stock weather one is actually better than the app because essentially what you get in the widget is the only functionality like you get all of the functionality of the app in the widget so in that case it's 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 good i think you know i don't know what apple's plan was when they bought dark sky i'm hoping that the stock app becomes more like dark sky than the other way around because one of the things my wife will always ask me she'll look at the weather and then she'll look at me and she'll say, so what does your app say? Cause I, she doesn't have the dark sky app, but she was just like, so when's it going to really rain? Cause your app is always more accurate. So if, even if they just make the, the stock app more accurate, then I guess that would be, that would be fine. But I hope, I hope that the stock weather app gets more like dark sky than the other way around. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. At least like maps and radar, my goodness, like you can't even, see the radar in the stock weather app as far as i could tell you know you have to go somewhere else right and the problem is that other than dark sky all of the other weather apps on the iphone are are the by far worst offenders when it comes to things like privacy because they are all tracking your location they are all tracking all i mean yes by far they you know whenever you read about like such and such apps are sending your information to the cloud in the background it's it's oh, all yeah. weather apps all of them <laughs> and I, you know i had i had a fun little hour the uh, i think it was last week but i started turning off all the allow precise location toggles in the privacy settings and i just turned everything off except for like stock maps and one other maybe so turn that all off yeah. It, it, yeah. That's a whole other conversation that we'll, we'll have to have. I, I really appreciate you coming on. It's, it's always good to have a conversation about the toys that we use to do more than just play, but to work. And I appreciate that. Uh, Steven, thanks so much. Everyone who is listening to this should absolutely check out the Apple Insider podcast. If you aren't already subscribe to it. Um, we had a good conversation a couple of weeks ago, but every week I look forward to it on Friday mornings because you guys always have great conversations about the latest stuff. So thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, that's very kind. Thanks for having me. I'm enjoying the 29 steps podcast as well. You guys are fun to listen to. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.